1: And welcome! It's time once again for Conscious Embodiment, Astrology, and Dreams with Dr. Michael Lennox. It is the week of October 23rd through the 29th. <laughs> eclipse wormhole continues. In fact, the the lunar eclipse is uh, uh, coming up over the weekend, and uh, we are fully in the wormhole. Golly, what a time! And the start of Scorpio season, right? Yes, actually, in fact, today, technically, starts Scorpio season. I know we talked about it a little bit at the end of last week's podcast, but uh, I knew we would bring it up again, because literally this morning, uh, uh, October 23rd, at about 8.45 a.m. Pacific time, the sun moved into uh, Scorpio. We are now officially in Scorpio season, which actually gives me an opportunity. This is not a question, but it sometimes is a question. I get asked this often. I think people... Confuse the sun changing signs with the calendar, and they expect that the the sun sign change sort of moves with the calendar, like but every that month. Ain't the case,
0: yeah, right. right. It's
1: like no, the calendar is the calendar, and the the Earth moving around the sun is in orbit. And there's one moment in every sort of month where the sun changes signs. Like one second, it's in one sign, and then it crosses a little degree point, and bam. The sun has changed signs, but so that can have a day like today where we are absolutely in the Libra mansion as we sort of moved across the threshold of midnight today. And then at 8 45 AM Pacific time, the sun changes signs. And now we are in the Scorpio mansion. I get this a lot just my whole life because I am a Leo sun. Born at the very tail end of Leo, 29 degrees, 57 minutes, the, the sun was two hours away from moving into Virgo. Right. So, if I had been born two hours later, my sun sign would be Virgo, not Leo. And so, people hear my birth date as August 23rd and they assume I'm a Virgo sun because, like, newspaper columns have been marking the 21st as the day of the month that the sign changes. But it's, it's dynamic, it changes, it shifts. And, and so, the movement of the sun sign changing is not connected to the calendar. Happy Scorpio season, everybody. I'll talk about what that means for us after we answer our question of the week. So I have a question from Laura this week that came in. I think I have answered this before, but I don't know. There are so many other places I speak, so I don't know if I've answered this here on the podcast. But it's a cute question. I love it. Uh, uh, um, well, I love all questions, kids. Keep them coming. I will answer them as I can. So Laura writes, hello, love, love, love your weekly show. I learned so much from you. Thank you for your generosity. You're welcome, Laura. My question as a relative astrology, astrological newbie has to do with Earth as a ruling planet. I noticed that Earth, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a question that comes up often. I noticed that Earth is not assigned as a ruling planet for any of the zodiac signs. and This is great. She then says, how will this work for the future babies born on Mars? I love your forward hopeful thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Taurus should have Earth as a ruling planet more so than Venus, Laura. Well, I do agree with that last statement that if there were a sign that should rule the earth, it would be Taurus. Taurus, in fact, invented the earth herself. Right, like that void in Pisces. Yeah, exactly. And sort of Aries teaches us that we're here, right? Aries is the energy that barges in from the void and says, I am. And the very next sign is Taurus that answers the question if I am, then where am I? Right. And I am here. I'm in the earth. In fact, if you look at the ages, which move backwards, we're coming out of the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius. And that means that 4,000 years ago to 6,000 years ago, we were in the age of Taurus. And that's when we were worshiping the goddess. That's paganism. That's different, you know, gods for different things and very much a feminine earthy kind of approach to, to, uh, uh, you know, to devotion. So yeah, if there were a sign, I would certainly say Taurus is it, but here's the thing. There is no sign for earth because earth is us. Hmm. Earth is the viewer. Earth is looking up at the 12 signs that are forming a circular ecliptic around us. And then looking at planets in front of that backdrop, which declares their placement. And then there's this sense of rulership that was established that connects certain signs to certain planets where it's like they're most at home there. But all of this is predicated upon the idea of the, the observer like that's us. In fact, if I say something like, you know, Pluto is squaring the nodes of the moon, That's from our perspective. If I look up at Pluto and then I look up at where the North Node is calculated to be, from my perspective here on Earth, there's a 90-degree angle between them. That angle doesn't exist unless there's a viewership from the Earth. Mm -hmm. So just like, you know, it's like every time I'm speaking about astrology, I talk about the sun moving, there's a little scientific portion of my brain that makes it come out of my mouth. You know that the sun doesn't move, the Earth moves. (laughs) right? Right. So you would think that, that because of that, the sun is the center, but the sun is not the center in, in heliotropic astrology. The earth is we are, we are the observer. There is no sign that rules the earth because the earth is us. And yeah, if we moved to Mars, someone born on Mars would have no Mars in their chart they would have the Earth in their chart. There'd be a relativity from Mars to Earth and placement therein from that perspective. So if, if, if we get there, and <laughs> we colonize Mars, someone will have to be in the, you know, the shuttle that takes the last survivors from Earth to Mars, they better put an astrologer on to rework
2: <laughs> it's, a Mars-based Yeah, <laughs> a it'd be, Mars be a whole different... Astrology. New system.
1: different. Yes, yes, yes.
2: Great question.
1: (laughs) So, indeed, we are in the Scorpio mansion as of Monday morning today, October 23rd. Scorpio is where we are preparing for death. It's winter in the North or becoming winter in the North. And I think we talked about this last week that indeed in Western astrology, which was built in the Northern hemisphere, the quality of the signs followed a little bit the relationship between the earth and the sun. And since here in the North, we are moving towards the least light that peaks at the winter solstice, Scorpio is the preparation for death and rebirth. It's not the actual death and rebirth itself. It's like the preparation for it. And in an archetypal sense, every sign of the Zodiac sort of invented one thing that no one else can do. And in Scorpio, it's death. Even the avatar of the sign has a death mechanism, a stinger, the scorpion stinger that will kill you if it gets you. So then what we are ruminating and marinating on and, and thinking about in this season is the slowing down, the honoring of the dark, the willingness to change through death and rebirth. You know, it's spooky time. It's pumpkin spice time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a thought that that in this time and this certainly what the what the you know halloween is sort of supposed to be based on the idea that the veil is very thin between us and the other side mm-hmm. and so we've just entered the mansion where that's what we are you know that's what our conscious awareness is a thinking about death and therefore rebirth and in a more psychological level we're we're talking about change and transformation what do we have to like release in order to move forward differently and then at the end of the podcast today we're going to be talking about the full moon lunar eclipse that has now the scorpio sun keeping our conscious awareness around change where the moon will then be in Taurus. Venus ruled, what does life here on Earth have to offer us in a yummy kind of way, Taurus? And what has to die in order for us to have such things? What do we have to change to embrace more life? So that's the season. It starts today. Get your pumpkin spice latte out. Get ready to dress (laughs) up for Halloween. And more importantly, consider what in your life needs to die in order for something more magnificent to be reborn. Now, in this podcast, I tend to only talk about the big transits. I figured if you're you're following me on the podcast, you probably also follow my Red Robe Astrology videos every day. Some of you are even probably subscribers to my daily writings about astrology. And so you're getting the day-to-day from me in this other format. Here in this format, I tend to only talk about the bigger sweeping things. But we have a week today where it's not a packed week with big astrological honking transits. Granted, we're in the fucking wormhole. <laughs> there is an eclipse <laughs> over the weekend. So, there, you know, the, the energetic landscape is intense, but it's being driven by big astrology, not small. But every once in a while, there'll be a little something that happens that I think needs uh, attention here to go into a little bit more depth. Then what'll happen on you know Red Robe Astrology if I if you happen to tune in on, on Thursday when these two transits hit? It's a I'm calling it a Venus healing release. <laughs> so on Thursday of this week, you've got Mars in a Seska square with Neptune, while Venus is gonna hit Chiron in the inconjunct or the angle I like to call the Great Eliminator. So since we're still in a Venus sort of ruled territory, she's out of her retrograde, so she's not, she herself isn't, you know, taking us through processes that were engaged while she was in her actual cycle. We're in a lunar cycle that's ruled by Venus because the new moon eclipse that kicked us off is in Libra, ruled by Venus. So the whole lunar cycle is owned and ruled by the planet of love. The full moon uh, over the weekend is in Taurus, the other Venus-ruled sign. So really, we're still in that territory where it's all about love in the heart and how you give and receive it and how you heal the wounds that limit you from being a more loving human being. So what's happening on Thursday is I'm adding that Mars' Seska Square to Neptune is kind of like mm, sending us into mysterious territory. It's an agitated geometry that will have our action planet, Mars, clouded up, confused, uncertain of what's real. <laughs> right, that's the shadow of Neptune is cloudiness and the fog machine. And the Seska Square is this weak angle of agitation and frustration. So it's absolutely a day where our decision-making processes will be limited. What to do, when to do it, how to do it won't be clean and clear. What I like about that and why I'm sort of presenting Thursday as an opportunity for my listeners is the best way to use that day's energy is not to be focused on what can I accomplish in my three-dimensional do, do, do world. Like, don't fucking bother because it's going to be a cloudy, confusing energy for actions and decisions anyway. And anything you decide on Thursday is more likely to be a bad decision because you weren't in good decision-making mind. But it is a nice setup to be in, I don't know if extraordinary space is, is that's, that, that sounds too powerful, but in different space. Which will then allow what, the, what Venus in Virgo hitting Chiron in the Great Eliminator angle will give us as an opportunity. Venus moving from a retrograde in Leo into Virgo was like a gift. Because Virgo is the mansion where process and integration and putting things in place was invented. So our hearts have just been ripped open and reorganized. Thank you, retrograde. And now we're in like a three and a half week period of being able to put things back together and knit a stronger groundedness in love in how we view life and move forward. So since we're in an eclipse cycle that is south node eclipse, right? The sun is near the south node, which means this is a lunar cycle of releasing and letting go of things, patterns and habits from the past. For some people, literal relationships that no longer work and serve are going to be going away in both the Venus retrograde cycle and this lunar eclipse cycle. And this particular Thursday, so that means an influence on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, will bring many of us through opportunities to go to an even deeper release and healing experience by letting go of old, wounded patterns around love. Subtle energy, not big, but important considering what the message of this eclipse lunar cycle is for us, that it's about karmic endings so that new beginnings can take place. And those new beginnings will be richer and more powerful for us at the individual level, to the extent that we get out of the get get out of our own way in terms of having a more loving and open approach to life. So look for that opportunity as the week comes to an end. Okay, hold on to your hats for the weekend, kids. Oh, <laughs> it's no. <gonna> be, no. <laughs> it's going to be bumpy. So here's why. First of all, the full moon lunar eclipse in Taurus is taking place right in the middle of the day Pacific time, like noonish, oneish Pacific time on Saturday the 28th. So we're in the intensity of just a lunar eclipse. Like, right, we we don't even need to go into the depths of, like, what are the moving parts telling a story about, which, of course, I'm going to do. Just the fact that it's a lunar eclipse is intense. That it's a lunar eclipse with the sun in Scorpio makes it also emotionally intense, and it does imply great possibilities for change and transformation that are happening on the larger, bigger, sweeping archetypal level, but also myopically over the weekend. Some things might get intense or change or be released, you know, full moons, we let stuff go. Venus is sort of setting us up to potentially let some shit go over the weekend in this eclipse that has to do with, oh, well, that doesn't, like, fulfill the love I desire. You got to go, right? It's Scorpio and Taurus, you know, that's where the nodes were last year in the year, part of the year before that, and I was calling it, like, you know, death or love, right? (laughs) Either move (laughs) towards Taurus and love or lean back into Scorpio and die. And that's part of, you know— the message of this full moon, lunar eclipse, because sun saying we're aware of death and change and what needs to change to have more love. And then the moon in Taurus says, I want more love. I want more groundedness. I want a slower pace. I want to come from love in all the things that I do. I want to enjoy being in a body. And you put them together. And the answer is, yes, you can have that warm, grounded, loving, embodied experience But some shit needs to change or be transformed or let go of or die off in order to have that. And that's the essence of the tumultuousness of any eclipse season, but this one in particular. So part of the eclipse that I'm sort of pulling out to talk about right now is something that's happening with Mercury, Mars and Jupiter. That sort of peaks both on Saturday and Sunday. So I, I'm pulling this out, even though it's part of the eclipse, because I, I want I want everybody to approach this weekend with a kind of you know grace in advance. <laughs> you know, when you know something's going to be a little extra wild, it's I think helpful. Forewarned is forearmed. So what's happening with Mercury and Mars is they are coming together by conjunction. So that's that's a good thing, right? That that our actions and our our perceptions are coming into some alignment. So if we do make choices or speak into things or use our minds to figure out like what to do next, the fact that Mercury is right next to Mars means that our thoughts and perceptions about decisions we might need to make is right there in the same room. They're sitting at the same table. They're in the same sign. They're both in alignment of the perceptions for change, Mercury and Scorpio, and the actions that will make change happen. Mars and Scorpio. What's making the whole thing over the top is the fact that they are exactly opposing Jupiter. Now, Jupiter is the planet that brings only good things and bounty and expansion and abundance and travel and education and prosperity, all great stuff. In fact, all the yummy of life on Earth in a body comes from Jupiter. But Jupiter's shadow is excess, extra, over the top. So Mars in opposition to Pluto means that anything can be amplified in a way that will lose its luster when the opposition diminishes. Same thing with Mercury, only now it's a perception. Mercury in an opposition to to Jupiter can make you think you found the shiniest, bestest next thing that then turns out to be false or you were mistaken or something is a lesson rather than a presentation. So understand that as we move through this upcoming weekend, one of the things we're going to have to do amidst this huge wave of energy is let things take you where, you know, surrender and let Events and circumstances and relationships like just tell you where you need to be, but be incredibly discerning about anything you're thinking is true or so or complete over the weekend in this eclipse, because it's not. We're in the dynamism of a lunar cycle. That's an eclipse wormhole. We're offloading things from the unconscious, like left, right, and center, And we might have an idea about our lives and our psyches and what's happening over the weekend as we're in this full moon and everything might change in our perceptions when this opposition from Mercury and Mars to Jupiter diminishes. So don't believe everything you think. Keep things right-sized. Delay and defer your declarations about what you think is so until some more time has passed. And then fasten your seatbelt. We're in for a bumpy ride. Let's talk about the eclipse itself. So obviously, we've got direct participation in this lunar eclipse from Mercury and Mars next to the sun and then Jupiter next to the moon. So this opposition that I just got done describing is also directly involved in the lunation. The fact that Mercury and Mars are near the Scorpio sun means we can be aware of what we're letting go. That's that's the gift there. If, If the sun is near the south node in eclipse season, and that means that it's a releasing eclipse, that we're more engaged about what we're leaving behind, then isn't it helpful that the planet that can perceive what we're leaving behind, Mercury, is right there near the sun, and the actions that we might need to take in order to best utilize this energy is driven by Mars, and Mars is right next to the sun, then our perceptions and our choices are easily built into whatever we're letting go of and celebrating in this eclipse that is a full moon in Taurus. The fact that Jupiter is right next to the moon means the entire possibility of this eclipse season is driven by really significant capacity to bring about gorgeous, like, joyful manifestation. I like that. Well, Taurus is why it's okay to be here, for crying out loud. Yeah. Like, every other sign represents some challenge of what it's like to be in a body living on earth. And Taurus is the only mansion in which we celebrate it completely. Even just dispositionally, Jupiter in Taurus means that our connection to expansion and manifestation is driven by our hearts. Because The sign of Taurus rules how we live in our hearts. And Jupiter in that mansion responds to Venus as his dispositional ruler, right? In in other words, once Taurus, I mean, once uh, Jupiter moved into Taurus, he had to call upon Venus to know how to be. (laughs) So Venus gives Jupiter his walking sort of orders or his marching orders while in her sign. So The full moon is is ruled by Venus. Jupiter there means that anything that we let go of can be filled with love instantaneously. Like this is that moment where it's like I'm asking you to jump off a cliff to your death and I'm promising you, you know, fabulous life thereafter. (laughs) (laughs) Would you do it? Hopefully not, but in this, in this equation, in this analogy, you want to jump. That's what the, the, the planets are telling us. It's like, remember, death and love. We either move towards love or we shrink back towards death. And so in the death equation here, Sun and Scorpio, we've got our perceptions of Mercury and our capacity to choose of Mars. So we're ready to die. We're ready to jump off the cliff fully. The promise is, though, with moon in Taurus near Jupiter in Taurus, the promise is more love, more abundance, more of what you desire. But you got to let the stuff that has to die off in order to fill the new spaces with more love. You got to surrender to the change in order to receive the new. The whole mechanism is squaring Pluto. Not so much this lunation because the degree points is five degrees of Taurus and the sun. But Pluto is holding the square with the nodes of the moon that peaked this past summer and is really just guiding this year and and the whole sort of decade that also tells the same story, right? The south node is the past and the north node is the future. And guess which direction we want to move in, right? We want to move towards the future, right? But how do we do that? We can't do that unless the past is ready and willing to die. Pluto squaring the node says the past is ready to die and Epic death so that we can create an epic future. Now you turn on the news and you see that this means business. Like the world we're living in is dying, you know, uh, mightily. For a new world to be born, I believe in the power of the age of Aquarius. And I do think we're going to make it on some level. Although at this moment, it doesn't really look like it. And Pluto squaring the nodes is the larger arc of change on the planet that says the past must die for a new future to be born and this lunar cycle eclipse wormhole is like a microcosm of the same principle what do you need to let die so that you can have love and more of it abundantly that's the question to ask as you move through this weekend There are two interesting oppositions being held as sidebars to the eclipse this weekend that I think are worthy of mentioning. One is Saturn in opposition with Black Moon Lilith. Black Moon Lilith is a shadow point. It's a point that contains the things we aren't comfortable looking at, the stuff we'd like to shove back below the surface of our unconscious, sexuality and sexual shame is part of Black Moon Lilith's domain. And of course, reclaiming that it's, it, you know, there's no challenge to sexual sovereignty in, in Lilith's consciousness, but we, as human beings, sometimes have challenging challenges with our own sexual sovereignty. And Black Moon Lilith is the shadow point that allows us to marinate with stuff below the surface so that we can have a change and transformation. Recently just moved into Virgo, so we got nine months of deep healing in the, in the arenas of shadow work and, and sexual you know, sovereignty. So Saturn, in an opposition to Black Moon Lilith as part of this full moon, I think allows us to be willing to do some of the deeper work that this lunar cycle is demanding of us. Because that's what Saturn brings. Saturn brings the demand— to move in the direction of wisdom, lessons, learning, and, um, and what our personal karmic contract says is next for us. So this opposition sort of says that the teachers in the house, none of us are going to escape the demand to look below the surface at shame and shadow material that might be ready to be released a little bit further in this lunar cycle. The other opposition is Venus coming into an opposition with Neptune. Um, Venus is love. And since it's all about love, I like that she's sort of activated a little bit in the eclipse. Neptune is also about love. Neptune is the higher octave of love. So you, you could sort of say that Venus spells it with a, with a lowercase L and Neptune spells it with a capital L, but they're both about love is love is love is love is love. Now, why I like the idea that Venus is in an opposition to Neptune, and in fact, it's not exact. Venus will be building towards this opposition for the next week. What that, why I like it, even though oppositions are challenging energies and there might be some confusion around love and relationship in this opposition, right? This, this could be an opposition that says, why is he not blah, blah, blah. And then when it peaks, it's like, oh, he's just not that into you. (laughs) So there's Uh, definitely some delusional, (laughs) like lifting of the veil, seeing things a little more clearly in a way that could be disappointing to some with this opposition, But I like that it's in there, Hmm. that sometimes what we have to do to have more love is to realize where we've been chasing it, that it doesn't exist. That is very real. So wild weekend ahead. Make sure that on Saturday, when we're in the lunation, that you're practicing gratitude for all the ways love is living proudly and fabulously and expansively in your life, because we all always want to make sure that we don't miss out the harvest portion of a full moon, right? We, we harvest the, the, the wheat berry. And in this case, the wheat berry needs to be love in our hearts. And we look to what has to be changed, released, or killed off in order for more love to be born. It's going to be an intense weekend, but worth it? Have at it.
2: Did you know that Michael has a daily astro alert? If you enjoy hearing the weekly astrology, you might like knowing more about each day. When you subscribe for the daily astro alerts, you'll get an in-depth explanation of the day's astrology sent right to your email. Subscriptions are only $10 a month, or you can purchase the yearly subscription at the reduced price of $100. To subscribe, head over to michaelenix.com. All right. It's dream segment time. Every week, Dr. Michael will interpret dreams that are sent in via email or take a live caller. If you would like your dream interpreted on the podcast, you can go ahead and email us at dreams at Hopefully your dream will make it onto the show. This week, we have a call-in dreamer. Hey, Cynthia, what you dreaming? Hey, Zoe. So,
0: I've been having this really crazy dream that's been repetitive, and it's about dirt. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Love it! Yay! <laughs> hey, Michael! I'm so Dreams happy to be here. <laughs> Yay!
1: Dreams of dirt.
0: Dreams of dirt. So, um, the dream is at my house, the car- house that I currently am in. I wake up, and I look out the window, and the front yard and the road in front of my house is completely gone.
1: Mm.
0: It's dirt and there's these big trenches and there's a construction crew out there. And I go out onto the porch and I say to the, the foreman, um, what's going on? Mm. The, the road is gone. My yard is gone. What, you know, I didn't get any notice that this was happening. We can't even leave the house now. And then um, the next time I had the dream, it actually went all the way down the whole side of the yard. And the whole side of the yard now was all dug up with
2: Ooh, trenches. so
1: expanding or increasing. Expand-
0: yes, ah. expanding and increasing.
1: Love that.
0: Yeah, really interesting. So have you, you
1: said this was sort of recurring at, thematically over your whole life or just recently
0: or both? just recently um Ooh. yeah just recently and it was the dirt was interesting because I grew up on a farm and so Ooh. the quality and the colors of dirt and the texture and right things, right you know, of you know that. Are, you're, you're right you're,
1: yeah you have thoughts about what color is that soil and
0: right exactly how exactly. was the
1: dirt how was your
0: dream dirt so the dream dirt didn't have any rocks in it it was it was um uh, hmm. It was it was it wasn't powdery but and it wasn't clay it was a nice dirt.
1: <laughs> now, as someone who understands farming, yes. there's a meaning hidden in the idea that there are no rocks. Right. What can right. you tell me it means? What do you think it means that there are no rocks?
0: Well, it, it, you wouldn't be in New England. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Let's pretend that you would be, right? Okay, (laughs) If you were in New England, which I'm going to assume is where you are, what would be the meaning to interpret into soil that had no rocks in it?
0: Well, it'd be very profound because it would be easier to till. It would be easier to
1: work it. Right. In fact, when you in the world of farming have lots of rocks, what do you have to do? You got to remove them. You got to remove them. You have to remove them. Right. Right, you have to prepare the soil to receive right. a seed. Rocks right. interfere. So now we've got symbolism to work with. Rocks would be solid, thick constructs of limiting thought.
0: Right. That don't oh. allow
1: new growth. Oh, right. So we I'm sort of back myself into the dream interpretation. So I'm starting yeah. with this idea and it, when I typically go to the top. But so Because I'm so struck by the rockless dirt that Uh since dirt is fertile and speaks to possibility because we plant in dirt and then create new things, and you certainly have a personal association with this, which is powerful. The fact that your soil, your dream dirt is ready, it's ready to receive the imprint of whatever you might plant next. Right. Right. So now let me go to something that's interesting to me about the first dream is really about the front yard and the road. There's an emphasis on the road is gone. So to me, that says change is happening. Mm -hmm. It's got some depth and significance to it. And it certainly involves where you might go next. Okay. Right? The road yeah. in a dream says I can go someplace, right? We know that right. we're in consideration of self and home because you said it's, it's my current home. Homes and dreams are about self. In this dream, the house isn't changing. No. No. So it's not about, ooh, Cynthia needs to change who she is. But there might be things changing about where you might go in your life. The road is being taken away, the old road. Right. And the yard. The yard is not so much about your identity, that's the house. But Mm -hmm. a yard in dream symbolism is like how you set yourself up to receive others. The yard tells others Is this a friendly home? Is this a home to avoid? You know, what political signs are in the yard? <laughs> I, will I be welcome? I'm kidding. I don't know why I added that. But you understand the yard <laughs> is about the self, but not the foundational self of who you are, but mm-hmm. your, like, readiness to receive others out in the world, and that's changing.
0: That makes so much sense. That makes so much sense. So I, I had a panic around the dirt, um, Ooh. because my grandmother always said, when you dream of dirt, it means illness.
1: Okay. No, listen. So, there are superstitions right. that exist. Right. You know, um, and it's not like I want to dismiss a cultural superstition that might exist and say, well, that's wrong and that can't be. But I, right. I, as someone who has for most of my life heard countless thousands of dreams. Right. I'm going to mark that as a um, superstition. And also remind you that when change is up, fear of change is up as well. So the fantasy that the dirt could be meaning something nefarious is a great reflection of the fearful aspect
0: of change. This... Totally makes absolute perfect sense.
1: Are there things changing?
0: Yes. So I own the house that I'm currently in with my daughter. And she is in a relationship that is moving forward. Oh, there we have it. Yeah. Change
1: is up. It impacts your home quite literally. But also your identity, but not your identity. You get that? It's not yes. you that's changing house, but right. everything about how you surround who you are.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And the second
1: dream, of course, tells us it's getting closer.
0: Oh, that, yeah, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> oh, I'm so, I cannot tell you how relieved I am because I'm having some, te- some, going through some medical testing. When I had that dream dirt, I went, oh, God. Um, but uh, now I feel so much more relieved. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad. Like again, I don't want to disrespect the
1: cultural right. origins of such an idea, sir. Sure. But I don't live in that culture, <laughs> and so right. I, as a dream interpreter, can tell you that personally, I yes. find the imagery of the dirt and the way it's behaving in your dream to yeah. be outrageously positive. Uh, like outrageously positive, honey.
0: Such a relief because I have no idea where I'm going when this all what? happens. That's right, you know, or where, yeah.
1: But sweetheart, the soil in which you will plant the seeds of the new road that you will follow is rich, it's fertile, and it is ready.
0: No to be rocks. Oh my no gosh. Rocks. Oh my gosh. Uh. I think I'm cry. <laughs> we are we are experiencing
1: I... your transformor- transformation right here in the moment. I love it.
0: Oh my god, I think I'm going to cry.
1: <laughs> oh, Mary, honey.
0: Oh my god, thank yeah. you so much. I cannot tell you what a relief this is and um and I, I I'm thrilled because, you know, I'm I'm in my Saturn return and just you know, hitting 60 in less than a year. And, you know, it's like, oh my God, now what, what next?
1: Yeah. yeah. And listen, I will add this because I'm just coming out of my second Saturn return, honey. Yes. No <laughs> fucking joke. Yeah. Um, but there's such a profound third chapter. You know, we live in a yeah. world where our grandparents died like 30 years before us.
0: Yes. Yeah. There's a
1: new third chapter that we aren't even consciously prepared for. Like we, we, like we, we, we are the generation who will be living that extra third chapter. I yeah. think this dream tells us that your third chapter can be rich and ripe and fertile, but that you have no idea what you're going to grow. Yeah.
0: yeah, I don't. I don't. In fact, I just thought of something new to sort of add to what I'm doing <laughs> this <laughs> week. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. well listen
1: honey keep yeah. having oh that bad and keep
0: exploring and just trust
1: uh, this transition yeah. has you it's holding you and carrying you through
0: oh god <laughs> thank you so much i cannot tell you how much this means to me and how relieved i am and and it's shifted my whole perspective of Yay. what's coming so well, thank I'm you. I'm so glad. Thank you for I,
1: sharing. It was beautiful. Thank
0: you. Thank you. I love and appreciate you and your work so much. And so I, I love listening to you on the podcast. It's you got you're just you're both wonderful. Thank you.
2: Thank you for listening to Conscious Embodiment: Astrology and Dreams with Dr. Michael Lennox. You can find us on Apple Music, the iHeartRadio app and anywhere you find your favorite shows. Head on over to MichaelEnix.com for information on astrology readings, the daily Astro Alert subscription, upcoming classes, and to join the mailing list.
1: Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help.